0: Hi, my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the podcast, and I hope you love it and share it with others. This podcast is all about evangelism and mission, sharing Jesus in natural ways, in ways that we can all do. I interview people right across Australia and also overseas to hear what's working and how that ultimately applies to our lives, no matter who we are. Some weeks I jump on and do a little teaching myself. I hope it's helpful for you. Don't forget to check out our other free resources on our website. Now, let's get into this week's episode. To win, win, win. Yeah. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum from Evangelism in Australia. Today, I've got an interesting conversation for you about Christian pain and the power of witness. I'm talking with Stuart Bogle, and Stuart began his professional career as a teacher and then became a principal, founded a children's book publishing company and began Australians Together, which is where many of you may know Stuart from. At the moment, he's exploring that next season that Jesus has for him. What is so interesting, Stuart, is that you have this huge story, personal story of pain. So welcome to you. And how are you today?
1: It's good to be here. Thanks, Tina. And I'm doing very well. Looking forward to our conversation.
0: I cannot believe your own personal story of pain. Uh, You and I have known each other for a number of years, and I know you more in a professional capacity uh, through Australians together. The story of pain is very moving. Can you give us a little bit of an overview of the pain that you've experienced as a follower of Jesus?
1: Sure. It might take a little while, but I'll uh, try to give you that short, sharp summary of it. Look, I experienced my first real episode of pain when I was following the Lord and we were serving and my wife and I and our kids were serving at a Bible college called Capenray in Australia. I was just loving what I was doing and really believed that the next 20 years would be filled with joy as we worked in this place and we saw it grow and develop. But there was a moment in time when I remember my wife walking through the door and she had a look on her face. She'd just been to see a doctor for the third time about a lump in her breast. And so when she walked through the door, I knew in that moment that it was no longer that uh, idea that it was just a blocked milk duck because she was breastfeeding. I knew it was cancer. And that began a, a journey that was just incredibly unsettling. It was like our whole world got turned upside down and everything changed. And I look back, and that's a long time ago, that was 20 years ago. And I look back in that uh, on that time and see how that really did shape things going forward. And so we went through a real battle believing and trusting in God that he could do a miracle. And we knew he didn't always do miracles, and we knew we decided we were going to follow him regardless of what happened. But we hoped, like anyone else would, that there'd be that miracle. And so to the last minute, we continued to pray and to ask God. But uh, he chose that um, to take her to be with him, and we had to say goodbye in a very painful um, experience. And the loss and the grief that followed was just heartbreaking and, and so difficult not just for me, but for those around me, and particularly three young children that loved God, but still had to work out how could they love a God who allowed their mum to die. So we had to work through all of that. And so there was a number of of years of just wrestling and working through that. And God brought us together as a family. But then after that, I you know it's hard to explain, but I went through a series of incredibly difficult things. And each one was marked by deep pain and hurt and loss and grief and it went over and over again. And I could tell you each one that would take too long and I actually put it together in a, a book that I was writing based on the journal that I'd been filling out all that time as I, I didn't know how to process all of this stuff that was going on and the pain I was experiencing. And, and again, to reconcile that with a God that I knew was all powerful, and all loving. And yet somehow he was allowing these things to happen over and over again. So I felt like I was living in a washing machine for a long time, just being t- tossed to and fro. And all the way through it, had to work out how to keep my eyes on God and keep trusting Him, even when He seemed silent. So uh, there's a lot I could share, but there was just a series of events that really do blow your mind when you see them. Um, and so I put them together in a book that I've written called Learning to Dance in the Darkness, um, Yeah, based on Philippians 4, but also on all those experiences.
0: I'm very, very sad to hear that story again. That really just shreds me, to be quite honest, to hear that. I think, Stuart, that my own experience and talking with people is that there seems to be something built in me that I feel that as a Christian, I should not have to go through pain like that. Is that true to many Christians or is that just something that I struggle with?
1: No, you're definitely not alone at all. In fact, one of the things I feel like I discovered was what I call a secret society of the hurting. Because once my story came out, suddenly people I knew and a whole lot of people I didn't know made contact. And suddenly it was like, oh, you've joined the club or you understand. And some people had kept this quiet because they, they came from a theological background that said that everything was, should work out. And I should just trust God and everything's going to lead to healing or hope or whatever it was. And there were others who came from a more conservative background and just went, Oh, this is what you expect in a fallen world. So we just hang on till we get to heaven. So I I sort of came across a whole range of people, but many people I think do have that belief that this shouldn't happen and this isn't going to happen to me because one, I've given my life to God who's all powerful and all loving. And two, um, I just can't believe that a good God would allow this. So I'm going to. I'm going to believe that he's going to fix it all up, but I don't understand why it's happened to me. So I think there's this wrestle and depending on your views of God and your experience in life, it can be a really tough wrestle to undergo.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're starting to be more uh, vocal about this. I have found in my own life, Stuart, that the transformation of my own self has been remarkable in those spaces. And it has actually helped me and you know, we know that this show is about ultimately helping others around us that don't know Christ. Have you found that things have changed in your own life that you've been more helpful to those around you?
1: Yeah, I think things have dramatically changed for me. I think everybody struggles with pain and loss and things that they're going through, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And I think in the darkest times, everybody turns to some divine spiritual thing that and hope that there's something bigger than themselves and so i I think that for me what's happened is i to be honest i spent a lot of time just wrestling myself and going through stuff myself helping my kids working through grief and i'm not sure i was that available to everyone else to help them Uh, but over time I, i realized that there were a lot of people that were there for me and i wanted to be there for others who were going through things and so suddenly people started reaching out, sometimes it was pastors, sometimes it was other other friends who'd say, look, I know someone is going through something, would you mind having a chat with them? And so I, I did that a lot. And I began to see that people were just hurting and I didn't have a silver bullet. And in many ways, I represented death because my wife passed away. So the hope that people were going through, they weren't quite ready to talk to me, but because they they saw that in me, I hadn't realized the things that I'd hoped and prayed about. Now, I think that's, again, a theological position. I, I I feel like God did answer our prayers in so many ways, just not always in the ways that I wanted. So I, I began to see that I had a an opportunity to help others as they navigated their storm or their deep waters, not to tell them it's not going to work out because I believe God does the miraculous and he can do the miraculous. He just doesn't always do it. And I don't get that. If I was God, I probably would do it differently, but I'm not God. So I just wanted to help people to say, you have a choice as you journey through this. You can either turn away from God, and we all understand it, or you can turn to God, and he'll continue to walk with you. And so I think that was the voice I had to share if people wanted to talk. And I began to see that it's always been in my life. In fact, when I was 18, I got saved. And you know I had the, the gift of the gab, so I probably would have made a good salesman or something like that. But there was just something in me that made me want to do things to help others. And I came across a John Keats poem once that said, I'm ambitious of doing the world some good. And that I grabbed hold of that made that my mantra. I wanted to do some good in this world. And so I had different plans for what that good would look like. But now I'm in this space where I go, I don't want to waste the pain and the experiences I've had. And I don't have a triumphal story in terms of everything working out. In fact, that's my story is things haven't worked out over and over again. You know, some of us are facing that. Some of us have a one-off thing that's not working out. Some of us have a series of things and we've all got to work out where's God in the midst of that and am I going to trust him no matter what or trust him to a certain point and that's what I've I've felt like I can contribute to others.
0: And do you find that you can authentically have that conversation you know with neighbours and the community around you? I mean personally myself I find that I can share with people more about pain and say oh you know just kind of Half heartedly or jokingly, uh, I can say things like, Oh, I actually have a faith, but I've got to tell you, it's been really hard. I seem to be able to make that connection more with people when I'm talking about these hard things rather than some of the other, you know, less deeper things of the faith.
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think. Suffering and pain and loss, it's a universal experience of being human. And as Christians, we're not exempt from that. It's how we travel through it. I think that's a testimony and a witness to those around us. It's when we put a spin on it and we try to make God look like, you know, he's going to fix everything up. And if we just follow him, um, it'll all work out because it doesn't for everyone. But what we have is a hope in something bigger than ourselves. We have a hope in what's beyond this life, that this is a shadow of things to come. And I think that conversation is one of the ways that can connect with people who are are not yet followers of Jesus. And we do it in a way that's, I think, raw and vulnerable and real and not triumphal and not trying to spin it in a way that absolves God of responsibility. but recognises God's right in the the middle of our mess too. And that can actually open a door for a conversation about what real faith is in the storm and not just what this other sugar-coated one, sometimes triumphal one that doesn't relate to the person going through difficult times. But like you, Tina, I've experienced that thing where people have said to me, if this is what following Jesus looks like, I don't want to follow him. I don't want a God like that. And so we've got to have that conversation too.
0: Yeah, absolutely, because we're not here to defend God and kind of, you know, or make him appear to be a genie in a bottle that can just answer everything, and I'm sure he's not wanting us to do that. What are you hoping that the world around see in you, Stuart, having been a person that has gone through many, many challenges? What are you hoping that people see, or what do you think they do see?
1: Well, I hope they see that there's a resilience in me, that um, I keep getting knocked down and I keep getting up. And uh, in the work I did with Aboriginal people across the country over the last 14 years, one of the things they said to me was, you keep getting knocked down, but you get up with a smile on your face. And that's why we, we work with you. And I, I hope they do see, not not a triumphalism, not an optimism, you know, there is an optimism, but I hope they see hope in me and that there is a way to go through your pain, not try to get around it, because we often can't get around it, but to go through it and not lose yourself, not lose your way Or lose your faith. And so I I hope that's an encouragement. I know the the word encouragement, actually, when I studied it years ago, it was this idea of coming alongside and bringing courage to people. Um, It's not just patting them off and saying, you'll be right, patting them on the back and saying, you'll be right. It's getting alongside them. And that's what I hope what I'm working on now, the book and then the website that's coming, that there'll be content there that helps to encourage people through their struggle. So, you know, I hope they see something real too. So... That's my that's my hopes,
0: and I'm sure they will, Stuart. It's so encouraging to hear the possibilities of what's in the future. Do you think it's made you more effective and more authentic having to go through these things? You know, sometimes I feel like God has had to allow some things in my life for me to become that more honest or true, authentic witness.
1: Yeah, I'm cautious how I say this in case it comes across in the wrong way, but. I'm not sure it's possible to really grow and deepen your roots and really form into who God wants you to be without tough times. And of course, we don't want them. I would have done anything to to stop my wife going through what she went through, my kids having to witness what they went through. I would have done anything. But I'm not going to waste that. And it has helped me to grow. It has made me more honest and it has made me more real. In fact, the book is based on that Philippians 4 passage. And I was preaching this just before we got the news. And I believed every word of what I said, where it says, you know, give thanks in all situations and um, be joyful always. And I believed that, but it was a principle. It's only when it came to what I went through that I had to see, does the principle actually live out in practice in my life? And if it doesn't, we shouldn't be preaching those things. And so I think there is an opportunity to really see not that you're a better person necessarily, but there's this greater strength. There's a greater resilience. There's there's things that form in you that I don't think are possible through any other way than going through tough times. And so if, if, if anybody listening is going through tough times, that's one of the hopes here is that there is possibilities that, that good things come. In fact, I heard a great message on the weekend about that passage that says, in all things, God works for the good. And you go, in all things, what are those things that we're going through? And this person talked about Some people, their thing is grief and loss and pain and suffering. And you go, how could God bring good through those things? Well, careful how we define good, but there is good that comes out of those difficult things when we bring them to God and we allow God to walk with us through them. There can be real blessings that come out of pain.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that is a process to get on that side of it, to actually grab that, because that is the truth, you know, that 100% is the truth. I believe fundamentally that God can actually work those things together for the good in the correct way like we're discussing, and we don't want to downplay people's hardships or pain at all. But there has to be some hope in those pains. I mean, you you read and you see the sufferings of Jesus. It would be silly of myself now as a mature Christian to think that I would not be having to go through times of suffering. That is more that we read about Jesus than other parts of his life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where you've got to be a, a reader of the scripture who doesn't just look for those things that make you feel good. There are scriptures everywhere that talk about difficult times, what people went through, what whole groups of people went through. And you go, well, where was God in the midst of that? How did he allow that? But you see the hand of God. Now, the flip side is I don't want to reduce it all to, oh, this was used to make me a better preacher or this was used to make me a better person. And so, because sometimes that reduces things. Like I remember hearing someone say, and I know their heart was good, but when my wife died, they said, you know what, Stuart, I think God's going to use this to make you a much better speaker. (laughs) it felt like it was reducing her to be an object lesson in my life and saying, well, what does she do? Get to heaven and go, well, I fulfil my purpose to make him a better preacher. We have to be careful about doing that sort of stuff. But you can't read the scriptures and not see that there is pain and suffering. God promises to be be there with us through it all. He just doesn't promise to rescue us from each of those. And that's the the danger if we don't read the scriptures correctly.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for Unpacking that so well. In the last 12 months, you've gone through some more challenges, really sad. Can you tell us briefly a little bit about those?
1: Yeah, so last year I decided to finish the book. And what I'd done is I wrote at the start, I said, I'm keen to finish this because it's taken many years to get back to it. It was a very painful experience going back through all the memories and writing it. But I, I said, I'm keen to finish the book before one more. Chapter of content happens, <laughs> and then I put a little star at the bottom that said "Too late." Just got a phone call from my daughter uh, because my daughter, who's you know she's she's so special to me, but she married the love of her life, her childhood sweetheart, and they'd been together for a number of years, and then they got married just out of COVID, but they could only have a very small wedding with only a, a few people because of COVID, and they determined that a year later they'd have a public one, and that public wedding took place last December. And it was just such a beautiful occasion. I had the privilege of walking my daughter down the aisle, but then also taking the position of um, marrying them in a beautiful ceremony. But we knew that her husband had been uh, diagnosed with uh, cancer. And so he was battling that as a young fellow, strapping young man, just a cracker of a young man. But that cancer spread. And post their wedding, you know, almost immediately afterwards, it spread and it just you know continued to really do incredible damage to him. And only a few short months later, he passed away earlier this year. So I then found myself at the funeral, now sharing in a um, at, at the death of this young man. So I've watched my daughter go through incredible suffering. She was a seven-year-old who cried out to her all-powerful, loving God for her mother to be healed and watched her die. And here she was now, a 28-year-old, crying out to the same all-powerful, all-loving God to heal her husband, and she watched him die. And in between, she prayed for so many things through watching what I'd gone through and what she'd been part of, and she hadn't had many prayers answered. And so I found that very difficult to watch. Uh, Suffering yourself is one thing. suffering, Watching those that you love suffer is another thing. And so that was a really difficult thing to reconcile. But you know, We've had many conversations and it's still pretty raw for all of us, but particularly for for, for my daughter and, and myself. We talk regularly and, and we talk about where God is. And she said, I'm never going to turn my back on God. I just don't understand him, dad. And I said, that's okay. He, he can handle that. And so, yeah, we've continued to go through some stuff and um, it's not working out the way we'd want, but we're trusting God. And I think that's the faith journey is to trust him, even when you can't see the answers or you can't see what you want and to know that somehow in some way he's there and he's working and he loves us. So um, it's been hard this last year.
0: That is, yeah, really difficult. Stuart, let me ask you for some tips because if someone can give me some tips, you certainly can. It can be helpful for those that are listening. So just to help the world around me, friends, neighbours that are going through excruciating pain and I don't want to be that really shallow Christian that engages with them. What type of things can I say? What can I be doing? What should I not be doing and saying? You know.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. One of the things I'd say is you're going to need a whole lot of grace for people around you because people are going to get it wrong. People are going to say the wrong thing. They're going to do the wrong thing. They're going to be overly present or not present at all. And so I think you do need to steel yourself that you're living with people who will make mistakes. But one of the things that I I realised is I think that Job's uh, friends get really bad press because everyone talks about the fact that they'd made all these mistakes. But I tell you, I think they were incredible because it says when they first heard about the situation with Job, they dropped everything and they went to be with him and sat in silence for seven days. I go, cannot tell you how how impressive that is. It was only when they felt the need to open their mouths and explain what God was doing. That they they mucked it all up and made his, his suffering even worse. So I think being present with people, reaching out to people, but not feeling like you need to explain things all the time, why God is allowing this, or trying to champion them in their faith. In fact, part of what I'm doing with Resilient Souls, which is this website that I'm developing, has been asking people what helped for you, what didn't help. Universally, it said listen. Let people talk and listen to them without having to step in with all your ideas. So I think being present with people. I think listening to them and just being really sensitive to what they need. I used to, get, I, I, I've developed a habit when I see people who are going through stuff to say, what do you need from me right now? Do you want to talk football? Do you want to just distract yourself? Or do you want me to sit silently? Or do you want to just bounce off me? What's going through? And I find when you do that, people sometimes they don't know what they want, but sometimes they can guide you. And that's really important. So I think there's practical things that you can do as well. You know, if someone's got children, just taking the children off their hands for a little while. If they've got struggles with meals, it's those practical things with meals. But there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of things I want to say about that. But there's the practical stuff can be really difficult too, because it feels like you've got this obligation to respond and thank and return dishes and all of those things. But I think presence, I think prayer, letting people know you're praying for them. And I'd just be raising their names before God, and and but don't have to explain things, Tina, you, you know this, you're a wise woman, but you don't need to go in there and say, this is why God's allowed this, this is what he's doing, and this is what's going to happen. I think sitting with people in their suffering and in their confusion is a really powerful thing to do.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we're not good at that and you, I'm a fix-it type of a person, Stuart. I like to fix things and so um, I just, I don't know why, but I just like to fix things so I, and I have had to learn in these spaces uh, with my community around me to not go in with that mindset, oh, here, I'm the saviour, I'm going to fix this for this person um, that's going through tough times what do you think you've learned the most? What do you think you've learned the most through the, through all of these experiences, about Jesus? That you think this is gold. Not that we want everyone to go through these experiences, but what have you learned about Him?
1: <laughs> Even as you say that, I just know that what's going to come out is going to sound a bit trite. But I've I've learned that He's always present. He really loves me. And I learned that through night after night for years, going out onto my outside under the stars when my wife had gone to bed, and I just prayed, and I just prayed. And I never heard his voice. I never heard him speak back on it, but there was something about his presence and knowing that he was never going to leave me, knowing that none of this was a surprise to him, knowing that he knew what the next step was, even though I had no idea. So that gave me this incredible strength as I was going through things to go, never will you leave me, never will you forsake me. And even though I want a whole lot more presence right now, a whole lot more touch and voice and all of those things, you're there. And then there's just this, you know, this has been 20 years, the 20 year journey of going through thing after thing after thing that just buckled and threatened to break break our family and to know he loves me. And that kind of sounds funny if people are listening or they read the book and go, how could you think God loves you? after all of that stuff, and I go, I just know it. I just I just have that confidence that God loves me, and so I'm going to keep trusting him. So that sounds like the typical thing out of a Sunday school answer, but it's, it's, it's true, and that's been my experience, and it's been reinforced. Um, I think I've learned a lot about myself too, so that's um, as much the journey of what I've learned about God as about myself. So, yeah, it's been quite the journey.
0: Mm, mm, gosh, the power of story. I mean, I know you as a storyteller. Do you think it's acceptable and do you think it's helpful to just be able to share these unique stories with people around that aren't Christians? I,
1: I absolutely do. And I think there's, in a funny sort of way, there's a authenticity that comes to you when you tell your story, because you can't argue against your story. This is my story. This is my experience. This is my hope. This is my belief. And so it opens doors for people. And I've, I've noticed that People walk through those doors and they ask question after question after question. And so it gives us an opportunity to share stories. So I love this idea of storytelling. I want to tell my story to not waste the pain. I'm inviting a whole lot of people to come on this podcast that I'm going to be doing to to share their stories because I have a perspective, but they'll have perspectives too. But all told, what I want to do is help influence the stories of others. So we've all got a story of things that have affected us, things that have impact us, things that have shaped us. And we can either recognize those things and and that we can be defined by them, or we can actually recognize the impact they've had. And then we can help write a new story, the next chapter of our story differently, with more hope and optimism um, and resilience. And so I want to not just tell stories, I want to help shape stories too, for people who are going through tough times.
0: Mm. Oh, what a great answer. I love that. So much to just think about just in your response there. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I'm going to drop into our show notes all the links so that you can stay connected to Stuart and some of the great new things he's doing to the book that he's written as well. This is going to be fascinating. I can't wait for you to actually start your own podcast on this topic. I'll be listening away for sure. This has been wonderful. Stuart, thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's been very insightful. Thanks
1: so much, Tina.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Hey, don't forget to check out our free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. Hope it's a blessing to you. See you next week.